Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. So good to be with you. We know your pastor well. We've uh, journeyed together for a number of years. And uh, I appreciate this opportunity. Great to have my wife with me. She loves to speak, and uh, I'll lose all my points, but I just want her to just stand and just say a brief hello. I'm in trouble, so just pray for me. Amen. Thank you. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew chapter 4. Reading of God's Word. We've written a couple books. They are available uh, at the back. One of them is entitled Trust One More Time. Um, Four Principles and How to Have Intimacy with God. I share this with churches and pastors and leaders, and uh, part of the proceeds from our books go to missions uh, and uh, folks in Dominican that we are in relationship with. This second book we just wrote this summer is called Proximity, and it's how to get out of the outer, outer court, pass through the inner court, and get into the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies is not reserved for Pastor Wayne. It's for all of us. And so um, those are available uh, at the back. I want to just bless someone. Let's stand for the reading of God's word, shall we? So we want to sow that into someone. Bless you. Title of our message this morning is our false self. Matthew chapter 4. Would someone, I apologize ahead of time for my voice. Um, Can someone read that please? Matthew 4, 1 to 11. You have a real strong voice and you can read that out loud for us. Matthew 4, 1 to 11. Any volunteers? Very good, thank you. Before you're seated, turn to the person next to you, look them in the eye, and say, I love you more than pizza. (laughs) (coughs) Then you may be seated. Part of the teachings that we do with leadership and with churches to just help them be on a journey with the Lord. Uh, I begin by, by sharing my testimony. I'm going to do that this morning, then we'll, we'll get into our message. Just 
just for a little bit of background. My father was an alcoholic. He was a proud Scotsman. He would go into a bar, have a few drinks, and then look for somebody to fight. He was an angry man. God miraculously saved him. And in the character of God that's really unique, he called him into the ministry. So my dad was a pastor for some 50 years. He was a pioneer. Uh, he pastored five churches. He built a church everywhere he went, had revival, and God really used him. My, my two brothers were Pentecostal pastors. My two sisters married Pentecostal pastors. I had no choice just to be a Pentecostal pastor. Many in Carolyn's family are in ministry, and so we have journeyed together. <clears throat> I'd been a pastor for some 30 years, and we came to a church in Scarborough. And I went to this church, and I basically told God, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm done. Have you ever come to the point where you just say, I am I won't ask for a show of hands, but but there are those seasons, and God took me through 10 months of repentance, and he showed me several things. And one of the things that he showed me was that I had given my heart to my earthly father, but I hadn't given my heart to my heavenly father. I knew the God of my father, but I really didn't know Father God. Something else that he showed me was I had given my heart to ministry, but I hadn't given my heart to Father God. See, the problem with ministry, it's very fulfilling. So we can pursue that. And it leads me to my message this morning because <clears throat> the ministry became my identity. And as a pastor, I had to see it successful in order to feel good about myself. <laughs> and so I began to realize that I was a really good servant for 30 years, but I never learned to be a son. And what God showed me was when we pursue the Father... Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And so God turned my focus from ministry to him. Jesus said, I've come to do the will of the Father. And that became my passion, and that became my conviction. And so that's kind of what I write about in our couple of books. And the other thing that God showed me was, he gave me a picture of the Israelites crossing the first river. 600,000 men crossed the first river. Of that generation, how many crossed the second river? Anybody know? Two. Joshua and Caleb. So 600,000 men came out of Egypt, but only two reached their destiny. The math is not good. But God wants us to reach our destiny. But it takes 
a journey of having faith and having obedience because it's faith that takes us across the first river, but it's obedience that takes us across the second river. That's sanctification. We used to preach sanctification. Do you say amen in this church? Like, if you can help me out just every once in a while. Just. So sanctification, and, and here's my passion. We are a denomination of 100 years. Every denomination has lost its way after 100 years. I, for one, am passionate that the the PAOC does not die in the desert. That's a good place for amen, just just saying. But I believe it begins with our pastors and leaders being passionate for God. I so appreciated the, the worship this morning. Very seldom, first time in the church, will I do what I did this morning. But sorry, I couldn't help myself. The presence of Holy Spirit. That's the Holy of Holies. And I tell pastors, I tell worship leaders, you can't be in the outer court all week long and expect to be in the Holy of Holies on Sunday morning. It's not the way it works. And God began to show me that my doing must first flow out of my being. We've got to be before we do. And our, our challenge in the church, watch this, we have more obedience, we have more knowledge than we have obedience. And God calls us to obedience. He calls us to move forward. And God just showed me for 30 years, I'm circling in the desert, Katie Sparnia, one of the gates into the promised land. I'd kind of start toward my destiny and hit a wall and fall back. I don't know if you're here today and it's been forward and back, forward and back. We hit a wall and God wants us to come through that. And so in the ministry, I realized as I reflect that I was dealing with a false self because I had no idea who I was. And I believe many Christians find themselves dealing with this. In our text this morning... Jesus was on a mission. His mission was simply every day to do the will of the Father. And so the goal of our devotions is to be blameless before God, doing the will of the Father. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And what I found is when I gave my heart totally to God, everything I was chasing, God now is bringing to us. We are supposed to be retired for 11 years. It's not going well. (laughs) Because there's more to do. And what I realize is that many leaders are spiritual orphans. They've never been fathered properly. And and God began to reparent me to stop thinking of who I thought I was and become who God says I was. That's what it is to have intimacy with God. And so here's Jesus pursuing his mission of pleasing the Father. 
Satan comes along to tempt him. And he tempts him in three areas. And I've never seen this before. But I trust as I share it with you, it will help you. There are three areas the enemy attacks us in to try to pull us from our mission of pursuing God. And these three areas are this. Let's look at it. Many people have been mistreated and disrespected and abused and violated, rejected, abandoned, attacked, or disregarded. Because of these things, many people today have lost their identity and their self-worth. We live in a confused society that has lost its way. Many children are being fed a steady diet of anti-God beliefs that feed this lack of identity. We must be aware as Christians that the enemy wants to attack our identity. He wants to dilute our self-worth. And the enemy wants you to embrace a false self. We expand in this in, in our materials, but, but let me say this this morning. A mother gives life and nurture, but a father imparts identity and purpose. Identity comes from a father. The Bible says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Mother gives nurture and life, a father identity and purpose. One is given, identity is imparted. That's why we must raise up spiritual and godly men to be spiritual leaders in the house of God. That is why we must pursue the Heavenly Father every day. Not the outer court, not the inner court, but the Holy of Holies. The veil is rent in two so that we can have access. And so Jesus faced this temptation in Matthew 4, and he fought the enemy and dealt with the attack of the enemy in this false self battle. Let's look at Matthew 4, 1 to 4. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The first thing that the enemy wants you to believe is that you are what you do. And sometimes we feel we might be in a job that's of kind of lesser position, and so our identity is low. And here the enemy comes and he says, you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. It isn't what we do, it's who we are. A servant does, a son and daughter belongs. Good place for amen again. What Jesus showed me is that I have been a servant for 30 years as a pastor. It was all about the doing. 
And so I had to establish, you know, when people would ask me, so how are you doing? I'm so busy. Because I felt it was my responsibility, watch this, to build the church. If the church is growing, it's the pastor that's, he's doing a good job. Jesus said something to the contrary. He said, I will build my church. So what am I supposed to do? This is what God showed me. He said, go and make disciples. One person at a time. So in the year 2000, my ministry totally changed. I stopped focusing on the church, still had to do stuff and all of that, but my identity became to find someone, find a Timothy, and pour into them. Here's what I want to report. I was a pastor for 30 years. Never once did I ever get a phone call. How are you? How are you doing? Let's go drink coffee. Let's go eat chicken. I want to talk to you about your devotion life. I want to know how you are doing. 30 years. And I believe it's time that we care about the one. We are not called to circle in the desert and be just doing, but we've got to begin to belong. Number two, the enemy would say, that your identity is in what you do. Secondly, look at Matthew 4, 5, and 5 to 7. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. This second falsehood is you are what people think of you. (laughs) So throw yourself down and the angels will pick you up. So there was a hidden agenda that the enemy had. Jesus, you are what you do, and you are what people think of you. It will exhaust you to try to keep up with the Joneses. It will also get you in trouble. Folks, it's not what we do, and it's not what people think of us. It's who we are in the kingdom of God. We belong to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. We are called to have intimacy with God. And so thirdly, look at verse 8. Here's what it says. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. 
Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This is what I like. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. We need to stop giving the enemy so much time and so much press. All we need to do is use the word of God, submit to the Lord, resist the devil, and he flees. He doesn't walk away, he flees. Because it's time for the church of Jesus Christ not to find themselves trying to be something that they're not and come into intimacy with Father God and let him speak into your spirit who you are. This third hook that the enemy tried to speak to Jesus is you are what you have. And we just sometimes find ourselves driven to accumulate wealth. Some are addicted to retail therapy. There's this buying binge that seems to feed a deficit. I'm here to tell you, most deficits are a fathering deficit because we grew up in a dysfunctional home. And mom and dad were not able to impart to you what God wanted them to impart. But the beautiful thing of the gospel is there is a God in Israel and he's ready to be your spiritual father. Just get out of the desert and start pursuing him wholeheartedly. Give him your undivided heart and get into the holy of holies and let him reparent you. That's the call of God. You see, a hundred years ago, there were a bunch of nominal people that were tired of being in the desert and they started to fast and pray and wait on God and Azusa Street shifted everything. Where's the Azusa Street of today? Where's the passionate people that say, I need more of God? In the year 2000, I said, God, there's got to be more. And so for Carolyn and I, she went through the same journey, and together we are pursuing God each day because I'm here to tell you there is more. Holy Spirit, the wind is blowing. The wind is blowing. God wants to bring you into a place of identity. This isn't about your possessions. There's nothing wrong with possessions, but it cannot come at the cost of the fruit of the Spirit. Some people say, well, Pastor, how do I know when I've crossed the second river? I'm so glad you asked that question. Very simple. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, long-suffering, self-control. Another good place for amen. Just so many opportunities. Folks, we haven't come this far to come this far. It's not just to come on a Sunday morning, thank God for the building, and thank God for this testimony. But I'll tell you, you got a pastor that's been in the Holy of Holies all week, and the worship leader and the worship team, 
I tell pastors, it's not about another sermon. If it was for a want of sermons, we would have won the world a long time ago. What's needed is impartation. I'll I'll try it over here. What's needed is impartation. Oh, Oh, this is getting good. Too many pastors stand in the desert trying to convince their people they're in the promised land. And that brings condemnation. Let me say it again. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added. So when God calls you, when the Father... You see... We've done church out of servanthood, not out of sonship and daughtership. And the problem is, we have servants in the pulpit, therefore servants in the chair. We say pew, we can't say that anymore. Chair. Okay, we sold all the pews. When we have servants in the pulpit, their expectation. He said, as long as you come every Sunday, you pay your tithes, and work in the sound room or sing in the worship team, you're cool. Jesus said, can I come down? Is that okay? Jesus said, watch this, go and make disciples. So when God showed me this in the year 2000, pastoring at Highway Church in Scarborough, I started meeting with my leaders. So we would have lunch or have coffee. I'm sitting across from them. They're thinking I'm going to ask them to be the head usher. That's why pastors have a meeting with you. I didn't talk about that. I talked about their devotional life. I talked to them about their job. I talked to them about their relationship with their wife. I talked to them about how they were ministering to their children. Because Jesus made it very clear to me, it's about the one. If we focus on the one, everything else will look after itself. So I have about 20 pastors that I I meet with regularly and and mentor. Because they're looking to come out of the desert, they don't know how. When we have servants in the pulpit, we'll have servants in the chair. What we have to do is get them on this journey to become sons and daughters. Watch this. So they will become spiritual fathers and mothers. Paul says you've got 10,000 guardians and not many fathers. I went to every conference I could think of for 30 years trying to figure out the the deficit that was in my life. And I finally came to the conclusion what I was looking for was a spiritual father, a Barnabas that would walk with me and show me how to get on this journey of intimacy with God. So my passion is to hold leaders accountable Get them on this sonship journey. Stop trying to build the church and start building people. Come on, that was worth coming to church for right there. That. 
And it's slow at first. But when you raise up a Timothy, Paul says, I'm going to send you Timothy. He's going to preach what I preach. He's going to tell you what I would tell you. Because I've imparted to him one-on-one. Now he's ready to carry the mantle. So I got this cool arithmetic thing happening. So if I, if I, and I've been meeting with, I'll, I'll just, I'll just pick one. I've been meeting with one pastor for a, a couple of years. Great servant. He came to me at conference and he said, pastor, he said, I'm stuck. I love to hear that. And so we began meeting two years ago. Deficits with his earthly father. So he's on this journey, totally changed, coming into sonship, becoming a spiritual father. Now, here's the arithmetic. Here's the beauty of discipleship, which leads to multiplication. This morning, he's preaching. As far as I know, he's preaching. And he pastors about 300 people. So I'm here with you. Watch this. But the time I've spent with him is being multiplied to 300 people, and I'm not even there. Not that I'm anything, but I'm trying to address the deficit that I experienced to help other pastors. And so if we can raise up sons and daughters, finding someone, and I believe it begins with our leadership team, And we walk with them, and they become excited about Jesus. The multiplication happens. And there's a table that I have in our second book that says, when you win someone to the Lord for a year, you'll win 365 people. And if you disciple, you'll win one. So there's two of you on one column, 365 in the other. But if you follow that down, watch this, to year 16, so the multiplication keeps happening in the, in the uh, one side, the one column, the addition, salvation, evangelism, there's about uh, several thousand people, but on the discipleship side, there's 65,000. Multiplication. That's how we win the world. My challenge to you is go find a Timothy, go find a Ruth, pour your journey. You see, Pastor, I'm not capable of that. As long as you're half a step ahead of them, you can disciple. What I like is when the sons and daughters start, you can hear them breathing behind you. You got to stay ahead. So that's the problem. You are, the enemy wants to tell you, you are what you do, you are what people think of you, and you are what you have. Those are all lies. Because your identity will come from the Heavenly Father. Our time is almost gone. That's my introduction. Let me just leave you with a few thoughts. Turn with me. 
over to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Powerful scripture. Time doesn't permit to look at all of these. But let's just look at a few and you'll get the idea of what we're talking about. So the problem is a lack of identity. The provision is found in Ephesians 1. So I want to speak these truths and scriptures into your spirits. This morning I want to address every fathering deficit and every orphan spirit. Anyone who has been mistreated, disrespected, abused, violated, rejected, abandoned, or disregarded, I want to displace those experiences and those lies with truth and life. So look with me at Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 3. And the first thing I want you to see here, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms and every spiritual blessing in Christ. In the King James, it says, who has blessed us in union with Christ. When you stay in the desert, you're in your soul. But when you start to serve God wholeheartedly, you start to get into your spirit. And if Hebrews says he's the father of our spirit. So he starts to reparent us in our spirit. And addresses the deficit in our mind, will, and emotion, which is our soul. And so it says, who has blessed us in union with Christ with every spiritual blessing. Here's what I want to say to you. When you spend time in the presence of God, you put the worship music on. When you're going to work, you put the worship music on. When you have some idle time, you play the scripture and let the word of God come into your spirit because having devotions is feeding your spirit. That's what we're called to do. I was mentoring this one young man, and I'm just trying to nudge him forward. One of my favorite questions is, on the scale of 1 to 10 the last three weeks, what number would you put on your devotional life? I get some very interesting responses. Some will say 1, some will say 9. Three weeks later, I was doing a pastor's a leadership, or a leadership night with a pastor, and I first asked him this question, and in the leadership meeting, he said, when I asked him that, he said, I, he said it was somewhere between an eight and nine, and he said, then I realized that I lied. <laughs> He's telling this to his leaders. It was a great moment. Here's the thing. It's not what the number is. It can be a two. But a month from now, it should be a three. Come on. See, that's the problem is we stay stuck. And if we stay stuck long enough, we become stubborn. And when we become stubborn, we develop a false identity. 
Because Jesus wants to shift us to become like him. And so the second question I say, now what's the father asking you as a son or daughter to move it from six to seven? Go do that. And that will bring you into intimacy with God. And so it says, who has blessed us in union with Christ with every, every spiritual blessing. In union with Christ is this word in is actually E-N in the original. And this is what it means. It means you can be in the room. Watch this. You can be in the room but not connected. You seen people like that? How are you, huh? Doing pretty good. See you later. Yeah, thank you very much. And too many Christians are in the room but are not connected to Holy Spirit. Because you see, he's a righteous God. And, and the one thing God wants is he wants your undivided heart. All in. I'm looking for somebody that's going to be all in this morning. You say, how do I do that? Well, in the next few few nights, ask the Father what he wants your devotional life to look like tomorrow morning. Because you'll decide tonight what your devotions will look like tomorrow morning. And then go and do what he says to do. And there's some people that would say, Pastor, if I give my undivided heart to the Lord, I am going to end up a missionary in Africa. I know it. Not all of us, he's not, he's not going to ask all of us to go to Africa. He might ask some of us. Here's the thing. It's time to grow trust with the Father. And you grow trust by growing obedience. Obedience grows trust. So we can be in the room and not connected. So that's what I talk about is if we're going to disciple someone and have intimacy with God, we can't be in the vicinity of Jesus. We've got to be in proximity to Jesus. So I'm trying to nudge you this morning. I'm trying to nudge the leaders in this house. Let's go on a journey. Let's not just be in the room. Because if you're just in the room, you're going to end up performing and becoming religious. Ouch or amen. The book doesn't match the cover is what I think a religious person is. We need to be the same all week long. I got to close. Time's gone. I love to close, so just, stare, just bear with me here for a moment. This is all so good. Look at verse 4. It says, so first of all, he wants you to have union with him. Secondly, he has chosen you. Look at verse 4. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And so when the enemy comes to try to challenge your identity, just look him in the eye and say, I have union with Jesus and I have been chosen. Oh, before the foundation of the world. 
the doctrine of election. I've been a pastor for over 50 years. I'm not sure I understand election. All I know is he chose me. He knew what my response would be. Before the foundation of the world, he chose you to be his son and daughter. That's identity. It isn't what you have. It isn't what you do. And it isn't what people think of you. I'll tell you right now, if you choose to be a son and go on a spiritual journey, not everybody's going to like you. And it could be a lonely journey. Thirdly, it says, and he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And so he chose us and then he adopted us. Our son Kevin is pastoring in London. He has three children, and once they had three dogs. Interesting home. Then they adopted two children. They were fostering, and they adopted Caroline and Ava. So Caroline and Ava came into this home, and it's a beautiful home, even with all the things that go on. It's, a, it's, it's kind of an organized chaos, beautiful. We just love going there. Here, watch this. Here's the thing. Caroline and Ava, very difficult background, have come into a new culture. And now they're being reparented. Come on out of the desert. Recognize that you've been chosen. He wants to have a connection with you. And you have been adopted into the family. That's identity. Worship team, come. Then they'll know that I'm really serious about closing. Just one more. Verse 6. We'll have to come back and finish this, but anyway, verse 6, here we are. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Not only does he ask us to be united with him, he, we are chosen, we are adopted, and he has poured out grace upon us. The amazing thing is a holy God wants us to have intimacy with him. Will you stand with me? We are here today because of the grace of God. We are here today because of agape love. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Will you bow your heads with me? What a privilege to come and share with you. My passion is to build you up today. Jesus said that he is the glory and the lifter of our head. 
I want to bring you into place of success. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe there's challenges. Just give him your undivided heart. Let him reparent you. I want to remember you in this closing prayer. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to respond by raising your hand. I want to remember you in prayer. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I, I realize how much God wants me to be in union with him. How much he wants to have a relationship with him. And I'm not sure how this happens or what it's all about. But I want him to, I want him to, I want him to reach out to me. But the Bible says it happens when we draw nigh to him, he draws nigh to us. So maybe a feeble step this morning. In the quietness of this moment, Holy Spirit has been ministering to us. One thing he desires is an undivided heart. The Bible says if you find your treasure, you'll find your heart. And I've realized I must make Father God. I desire to make Father God my treasure. And if you're here and you say, Pastor, I want to take that step as feeble as it is, I want to give him everything. And will you remember me in this closing prayer? Can I just see your hand? You just hold it up. God's been talking to you. Hold it straight up. Yeah, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to be a follower of Jesus. This word Christian today can mean a lot of different things. But you're here today, say, Pastor, I'm all in. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much. Any other say, yeah, that's me. Whatever the Father wants me to do in my devotional time, I'm going to go do it so I can push in. So, Father, you see our hands today. You've been so present. Thank you for your word. May it be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our our path. May there be (coughs) clarity as we walk with you in the coming days. May our church be a church of revival. May it be one of passion for you. Bless our leaders today. Minister to them. Thank you for your goodness and love. So together we give you our hearts. And we choose to serve you wholeheartedly. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.